What's up? Hey, I, I'm, I'm Brian. Um, I'm one of the pastors on staff, and uh, yeah, we, that was just a weird occurrence. <laughs> Sorry, Jim, for leaving you hanging for like a second. <laughs> um, yeah, weird, really weird. What a weird day. At least I think it's weird. I think everything's weird, but <laughs> it's snowing. I love snow, but okay. <laughs> Let me pray for us really quick, and, and we'll, we'll get things going, all right? God, uh, man, you're, you're good. You're good. Um, no matter how much suffering and pain that, that's going on in the world, um, despite all our doubts, despite uh, just so many questions that we might have as to why things are the way that they are, you are still God. I, that's the one thing we can hold on to. That's the one thing uh, we can truly trust. And even you being God... There's so much that we don't understand of what that entails because as humans, we try to be God, but we can never be God because there's only one God, the God of the Bible, the God who is merciful, who is loving, who is sovereign, who is supreme, who is the chief ruler of all rulers. Even as I say that, it's so hard to believe that there is someone who exists, not just someone who exists, but the person who allows us to exist, exists. And God, um, I just ask that you, you soften our hearts this morning. You soften our hearts to, to hear some, to hear a hard truth about you. That you'll open our hearts and our minds and even our spiritual eyes to the things that you want to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, when I came in this morning... Uh, I was just, just happy, you know. And Nancy was up here, and I was like, I, I, I heard her say, daylight savings, one of my favorite days. And, and I was like, man, me too. Me too. It's, it's one of the best days ever, right? Daylight savings. I, I think for me, it's not the extra hour of sleep, because uh, no matter what, I, st I live behind that hour. I, I live as if I'm an hour behind already. <laughs> right? So I told Janine I was going to go to sleep at 12 yesterday. In reality, it, it was really 1. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm in bed at 12. <laughs> right? Um, so it's just one of my favorite days. Uh, daylight savings to me, uh, it allows me to think when I, when I get home, it allows me just to be cozy for some reason. It gets dark earlier. I love that. Right? 6 p.m. feels like 12, but 6, you know, it's like that is just a good feeling. I love when it gets dark. I love the summer, but it gets, it stays too light, too long. Right? <laughs> I know that's really weird, um, but that's just a, a unique, unique thing that I love um, about daylight savings. Something, I don't know how, how God wired me, but I love that. Right? I love the cold. Um, right, I know immediately in your mind, under your breath, you're like, you moved in the right place. Right, that's why we're here. Right? Um, right, I love the cold. I love the snow. Right? I want it to snow even more. Right? And my 4x4 four four Honda Accord, you know, that there, there, there's no such thing as 4x4 four four Honda Accords. But I love being able just to drive in the snow. 
uh, as much as it stresses me out, but the beauty of snow is so good. The beauty of being cozy because it's so cold is so good. You could ask Janine, you go in our apartment, it feels like it's winter in there. Um, we turn on, she'll turn on the heat. As soon as I get home, I turn it off, right? Just trying to save money at the same time I'm wanting cold, <laughs> right? And so um, other unique, unique things about me is I like sardines. <laughs> Out of nowhere, they like saving sardines, right? I like sardines. <laughs> it's so dumb, but I love sardines. Um, okay, I like shrimp. I love seafood. I'm that guy who eats shrimp. I don't just eat the meat of the shrimp. I take the head of the shrimp and I suck on the head because that's where all the flavor is. Right? I know that sounds super gross. Right? I know that sounds super gross, but that is just something I, yeah, I've seen my parents do it. Um, okay? Because my, my parents grew up in a way where you don't waste nothing. Right? You, you get a, a chicken wing, everything's gone. Cartilage and all. All you see is literally the bone. The marrow is even gone, right? And so, <laughs> but so when I think of, when I just think about those things about myself, right, um, I'm like, man, this, this is a lot of, of who I am, how God has wired me. Uh, not everyone is wired that same way. You, you guys, for some of you, you don't like sardines out of, out of a can, right? That's disgusting. <laughs> I, it does smell really bad, but it's still good for some reason. But that's just something unique to how God has wired me and how God is continuing to create me and mold me. Okay. Um, I say all of these things because there are some things about God that are only unique to him and his trait and his character and who he is. Um, and right, I could explain to you why I like shrimp. I can't really explain to you why I like, like sardines. I could tell you um, because I like the little bone in it. I, I like the way it feels in my mouth and all that stuff. But you just don't, might not understand that. But I do. Right? Because I'm eating it. I get it. I love, I'm in love with this dumb little fish. Right? But I'll say that to you. Okay. But you'll still not really understand no matter how much I, I'll explain. Um, and so when we look back into the book of Romans, we're going to see some, some hard truth about who God is. We're going to see some, a, a trait about who God is. As I said in my prayer, that he's supreme, that he is a chief ruler, that he is this theological word of sovereign. Okay? Nothing happens apart from God. And some of us are uncomfortable with that. Um, God being the chief ruler, uh, being who he says he is, is a good thing. It's a very good thing. And so before I go any further, uh, we have been taking a break in Romans, and now we're back in it. Um, and Jim has given me one of the hardest chapters in the book of Romans. Um, and now that I think about why he chose this week to take his break, because Michigan State, I don't, I don't, I have, I have no emotions towards this. But you know, I, usually Jim starts his sermon off like, "Did you guys watch that Michigan game, Michigan game last night?" Uh, whatever, <laughs> right? That, that's usually how he starts. <laughs> But now I understand why I'm up here. Hardest chapter, smartest guy up here. And then Michigan, <laughs> Michigan losing, right? 
it's all right. It's not live, so they don't know I'm cracking jokes. <laughs> but, right. So Romans, in the book of Romans, just to catch us up a little bit, um, I broke it down for us. Uh, and the first chapter, first three chapters of Romans, this is how Paul has broken it up for us. Uh, in Romans 1 to 3 is the plight, is the unfortunate situation that we as humans are in. It's, it's the sinfulness problem. We are sinful beings. We need a cure. We need a remedy. We need someone to save us. And that is Romans 3 through 5. And Paul points us to the person who makes us right with the Father. And that's Jesus. Thirdly, Romans 6 through 8 is the outcome. When you accept Jesus into your life, when you accept the gospel that he loves you, that he wants you, that he wants you to be in heaven with him forever. Because that is heaven. Being with Jesus um, is this outcome of sanctification becoming more and more like Jesus. Is the purging of your sin, of old, hap- old habits might, that might be good but also bad. That that can cause us to stray away from Jesus. So this process, this outcome is when you come to Jesus, he will make you more and more like him. The plight to remedy the outcome. And this is where we are. Romans 9 through 11 actually is the problem, is the unbelief. In particular, it's the unbelief of the nation of Israel. This is... Uh, The reason why I I bring that up is so that we can really just see where Paul is coming from, what he's really addressing, this unbelief, and not just Israel's heart, but we, we could relate to that. There are some hard things that we, that we can't believe about God, but there are some good things we love about God because he's loving, merciful, forgiving, right? Those are all good things. But then when we see that God is a stern yet wrathful because that is also loving, like that's hard for us to believe that God's wrath is also loving, that God allows sin to happen for his glory. That's hard stuff to believe. And so I'm going to, what we're going to read is uh, verses 14 through 16. That, that's going to be our main focus. But before I go further, I want us to catch us up. Some, some key verses before we get into verses 14 is uh, Romans 9 to 3. Romans 9, uh, verse 3, he says, Paul says this uh, before he gets into our chunk of scripture. He says, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Okay, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. What Paul is saying there is that I wish I could trade places with my descendants, with my brothers, the, the Israelite brothers and sisters. I wish I could be a substitute for them, that this love of God that I have in my heart, I wish I could transfer that, that love that I have for God to them. And I could take their rejection and their hatred and their unbelief. I wish we could trade places because I want my brothers and sisters to know Jesus so much that I would trade places. I wish I could do that, Paul says. Man, there's something about Paul's heart 
an understanding of Christ and his relationship with Jesus as in his love for God, that he loves God so much that he is, and he loves people so much that he's willing to sacrifice himself so that they can get to know him. Man. Now, I'm sure as a parent, you would take place, take a place of your kid's pain all day. Paul says, I, will take, I wish I could eternally take the place of my brothers and sisters, not just their pain and suffering. I wish they could know Christ. Shoot, I'll go to hell for them. That is a crazy statement Paul is making. Second statement Paul makes in Romans 9, 12, he says, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Just because you are born in Israel, just because you are born of Jewish descent, okay, does not make you a chosen people of God. Just because you are a Jew does not automatically give you right passage to heaven, does not automatically make you a son and a daughter of God. That's what Paul's saying. I wish I could give you that. I wish I could make you a son and daughter of God, but just because you are born of this nation, just because you are born of this chosen nation, okay, does not make you a chosen person of the promise of God. Maybe uh, for us today, for us just to kind of relate to that, is just because you are born in a Christian household does not make you a Christian. That's pretty much what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, all right, just because you're Christian, your mom and dad's Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Man, I wish I could transfer my Christianity to you. But I can't. There's only one substitute, and that is Jesus. And so, which brings us to our verse. In verse 14, we're going to camp here a little bit. And he says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? So let me address where the heart of this question is coming from. Hey, let me address where the heart of this question is coming from. The Israel people, okay, it's coming from a sense of abandonment. The Israel people, as they were living in the life, uh, living their life in Rome, at some point there was an emperor named Claudius who said, Christians, y'all got to get out of this city. I don't care how you get out, but you better leave. If you don't leave, you're going to die. Jewish Christians, you keep talking about Jesus. You're causing some stir up in this city. You guys better leave. If you don't leave right now, we're going to kill you. Leave your home. Leave all your material possessions. Leave your carriage, your chariots. Leave your horse, your donkey. Leave your dang chickens. Everything you have, you better leave. And guess what? I don't know when you guys could come back. And so I'm sure the Jewish Christians in this time period were like, whoa, God, what the heck? I thought, I thought we're your chosen people. What, what, what are you doing? Like, God, how is this, 
how are you right in, in, in allowing this to happen, that we're living for you, and now because we believe in you, we got to lose our homes, I got to leave the city that I know? Are you serious? And you're not going to do nothing about it right now? So Paul understands the heart of, of what's happening in, in the Jewish Christian of this time. And he's saying, he asked this question um, for them. He says, what shall we say is God right in allowing this to happen? An issue of abandonment is where this question is stemming from. Secondly, the cause of this question, which encourages, what shall we say then is there injustice? The Jews were no longer the only chosen people of God. Okay, I could get into the whole, yes, Israel is still a chosen nation. God has a special thing for them, right? but that's too much to get into. But this jealousy that the Jewish Christians were feeling is that, man, we're getting kicked. We got kicked out of this Roman city and the Gentile Christians were allowed to stay. Do, do you see where this, this heart, God houses right? We feel abandoned. Here are these people allowed to stay who are, who are also Christ followers, but they're not of Jewish descent. Right? We are not of Jewish descent. We would have been allowed to stay in the city and keep our homes and keep our livestock and keep our cars and all that stuff. But the Jewish Christians here, where they were not. So they felt an abandonment issue. They also felt this jealousy that we are no longer just the only chosen people of God. That the Gentile Christians, me and you, were allowed to love Jesus also. God, how is this fair? How is this fair? How are you right in all of this? At some point, the Jewish Christians were allowed to, to be in the city, um, but they were just looking at us and saying, how are these people also chosen? They don't follow the laws. They didn't do all the sacrificial systems, but they believe in Jesus and they get to be a chosen people? Yes. <laughs> Simple answer, Yes. We are Gentiles at heart. Yes, Israel is a chosen nation, but you are too. And Paul is saying, look, I get where this question is coming from. I get it. But you have to understand that God's plan is so much bigger than you thought it was. And Paul reminds them in verse 24, right, that every Everyone, every different color, different race, different background gets the opportunity to know and love Jesus. In verse 24, he says, Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, Those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people there, they will be called sons of the living God, this is where the heart of their, oh, whoa, snow, sorry. <laughs> um, this is where God's, this is where the heart of their question is coming from. Abandonment and jealousy. And Paul reminds them that this was God's plan all along. All along. 
some of us, we have questions about God. And some of those things might come from a, a place of abandonment and a place of jealousy. God, why does this Christian have a bigger house than I do? I'm pretty sure I'm following Jesus harder than he is. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sure you guys thought that. I, I'm sure you still think that. Sometimes I, I, like, I think that. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I'm trying my hardest, and this dude just got $5,000 in the mail. You know, I don't know if that ever happens, but I've heard stories of like pastors getting like money. I'm like, he don't need the money, <laughs> right? But there's, there's this issue where, where this question, these weird questions come from of, of, of abandonment and jealousy. And, and when you have a question, when you ask the Lord, next time you ask God something, like, God, why is there so much pain? Why, why is COVID taking over? Why, is, why are people so hung up on the election? Blah, 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 right? right? Maybe you look at yourself first. Maybe God's trying to teach you something in your heart. Your heart might not be right. Before looking at other people, look at yourself. Evaluate yourself before the Lord. And maybe those questions will finally be answered. Right? I ask, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll ask why COVID's happening. God's like, because it's happening. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got to be satisfied with that, with that answer. We got to be satisfied with that answer. What, what, what's funny um, is is when Paul asks this question of is there injustice on God's part, he, he does answer the question. He says, by no means, th there, there isn't. There, there's, God is not, God, God is never wrong. God is always right, okay? But this is where it gets hard, right? This is where it really gets hard, uh, the hard truth of God, because they're so true that we cannot comprehend it, right? The question of why is COVID happening is because God let it happen. That is really hard to comprehend in our minds because, God, why would you allow that to happen? It leads us to this rabbit trail of questions about God, and God will constantly just say, because I am what I am. I do what I want. I am God, right? And so Paul answers this question in that very similar way in verse 15. He says, well, let's, let's go back to verse 14. He says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? Paul says, by no means. And let me further answer that question. In verse 15, he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who is mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth, so that he has mercy on whoever he wills, and he hardens whoever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist God? Who can resist his will? But who are you? Who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter, has God, right, no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? 
What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? With much patience. Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory. For vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. What we read just now, I'm sure there's a lot of questions. If God will have mercy on whoever he has mercy on, what's the point of trying? If God will choose already knows who he's going to have compassion on. What's the point of trying? If God already knows those who are going to bring honor and dishonor, what's the point? I'm going to say this first, right? How Paul answered this question is God will God. God will God. Not God will be God because he is God. So God is going to do God things. So God will God. So for us to really understand that statement of God will God, I need to, I need to bring this statement in. Human will human. Okay? Humans will be human. And so I'm going to knock on us for a little bit. Um, as a human, I am part of you as I am knocking all of us together. Okay? Um, Humans worry, they have fear, they're anxious, okay? Humans are unhealthy. If not physically unhealthy, they're emotionally unhealthy. If not emotionally, right, they're mentally unstable. That's what humans are. They're unhealthy in some aspects. There's not a perfect human, but one, being Jesus. Humans argue and fight over very dumb things, right? The three M's, Michigan, Michigan State, mask, right? Three. Who's better, Michigan, Michigan State, whatever, right? Do I need to wear a mask? Yeah, sure. You don't got to if you don't want to. If you want to get in trouble, you could, that's up to you. Humans are dumb, right? Argue over dumb things. Humans make mistakes. Make mistakes all the time. All the time, right? Text message right now without rereading it. There's a mistake in there somewhere. Humans need to be told that they are valuable. We need to be told that we are loved, that we need to be told that uh, there's something worth it inside of us. Uh, I look at self-help books, self-esteem books, right? Look at ways to build your, your, your practice, ways to build yourself to a better life, right? There's, there's all these books about how we can be better because we stink, <laughs> right? We need books that tell us that we're good because we're not really good. Right? Humans, humans stink. Um, humans, need to, humans need to be told there's a four-way stop coming up, right? Think about that. There's a four-way stop coming up. A few feet away, there's a sign that says there's a four-way stop coming up. Here's a four-way stop. Right? If we were smart, we would just see the stop sign and see the other signs and make sense of that. But no, we need to be told there's something coming up. Right? Humans need speed limits. 
because if we don't have speed limits, we will, let's be real, you're, you're going to be out of control. Or you're going you're gonna to go 100 miles for no reason. You, you ever pass someone and then they pass you and then you pass them and then they pass you, right? How dumb is that? <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> the person's not going the exact speed limit, whatever. It, it's, it's so dumb. Right? Our behavior is so dumb. Okay. Humans buy dumb things. Halloween. <laughs> Think about it, right? Humans buy really, really dumb things. We spend 50 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever, any amount of money on a costume. I have this dumb flamingo hat. I bought it. I wore it once. <laughs> once. I, w- I bought the flamingo hat because Jim's youngest son, Jonathan, had a flamingo hat. And I said, I want to be just like John. And I bought the dang <laughs> flamingo hat. So dumb. Right? That is dumb. Humans need lines for parking spaces. Why we need, if, if we were smart enough, we would just park and be organized. No, but we need parking lines to show us that we're doing all right. <laughs> Humans think they're smart, right? COVID has really shown us that we're not really that smart. What, what I really want to say, right, hurricane after hurricane after hurricane after hurricane after monsoon after tsunami keep hitting our shorelines. But guess what? We keep building $1 million houses by them. <laughs> There's going to be a hurricane that's going to knock down your dang house. But no, we're smart. It's a good investment. I'm a build my house right on this ocean because the ocean is not going to do nothing to me. Hurricane. Right? So dumb. Humans are entitled. They feel owed something. Humans hurt other humans. Humans want control, but when they get an ounce of control, they lose control because they can't handle the control. It gets to their head. It gets to their brain. It gets to their heart. Humans think they are better than other humans. Humans are not perfect, but that's okay. Hey, I'm human. We stink. We are not that good. We are not great. You are worse than you think. To think you're any better than another human, to think that you are any higher up than another human, you are not. You make the same mistake as every other human is. Do you see where I'm going with this, right? The human race is so tiny, so, so tiny. You ever take a, a rice morsel, right, and you hold it, and you're like, wow, how, this thing is really tiny. That's what we are. We're a little rice morsel amongst other rice morsels. Next time you see rice, if you do cook rice, do, do you guys? Okay. I don't know. I, don't, I know. <laughs> I know growing up, we had rice with everything. <laughs> okay. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah. Next time you see a rice morsel, just hold it in your hand. And that's what you are. That's what really you are. You are so small and finite. Human 
will human. We will, humans will try to be God, but they make the mistake. God does not make mistakes. And so with that being said, Paul answers the once persecuted Jews and the Gentiles who extended his grace, mercy, and love, right? And, and, and Paul answers this question of by no means God will have mercy on whoever he wants. And so in, in short, right, Paul answers the question and says, God will God. God will God. And so God is protector. God is wonderful. God loves, okay, along with his love come his wrath. Wrath is love. Punishment is love. That is, that is who God is. Okay. God is forgiving, God is creator, God is eternal, God is merciful, God is justice, God is transcendent, God is everywhere at, at every time. God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful. God will do whatever he wants. God will God, right? Have you ever wondered, you know, I, I was just thinking how God extends his grace to a criminal in prison, who is in a life sentence, serving a life sentence until they die. And God is saying, I don't care what that guy did. I want him to receive my grace if he is willing. That don't make sense. God, that guy does not deserve grace. And this is what the Jews were saying, and this is some of our heart, is that, that man, these people don't deserve God at all. Hey, humans think that way, but God will be God. God will God and said, everyone will have an opportunity to know my name. Whether they are for dishonor or, or honorable stuff. You know why? Because God is concerned ultimately about one thing, and that is his name, not your reputation. His reputation, his name. His glory, not your glory. So if something is going on in your life and it's painful and it's suffering, God is working in you. God is using that to grow you. But at the same time, God is concerned about his name and he knows that pain and suffering and that answer that you want and him not giving it to you is giving him the most glory in the end. Because I know we could think of one person and we're wondering why cancer exists. Why the heck has God not performed his miracle yet? You know why? Because God is concerned about his name, his reputation. Because in his right timing, things will happen. Whether we like it or not. Whether it's the outcome we want. All that matters is God's outcome. His name, his reputation. And this is what Paul is saying. By no means is God ever wrong. Because God will God. God is concerned about his name, his glory, his riches. Not yours. And so if he wants to honor you, he will honor you. If at some point you get dishonored, God is concerned about his name. Yes, we make dumb mistakes. And so we bring that dishonor upon ourselves. But do you know that God works every wicked thing for his glory? He turns good, bad situations into his situation. The more we understand that God will God, the more we, more question, less questions that we will ask. Man. 
the more we understand God will God, the less questions, the less trust issues we will have. It is a good place to understand who you are before the Lord. It is a very, very good place. Proverbs 16.4 says this, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everything is done for, for God and his glory and his purpose. God will God. Proverbs 21.30, he says this, no wisdom, no understanding. This is the smartest guy that was to ever live on this earth saying this, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. You can't counsel God. You can't tell God what to do. God tells you what to do. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Job 38 through 41. All right. But I'm going to give you a little preview of, of Job 38. In the 1 through 4, we're going to kind of jump around. This is Job, right? If you know the story of Job, he lost everything. He didn't deserve to lose his everything. But God said, all right, you're going to lose everything. I'm going to take away your family. They're going to die in the worst way. And you know what? Your health is going to be terrible too. I'm going to put boiled all over, all over your body. You're going, you're going to have nothing. And here's what, what the Lord says to Job as Job is asking questions. The Lord answered out of a whirlwind. All I think of, if you know X-Men, all I think is like the little storm. Oh, good. That's all right. <laughs> right. Um, right he, he answers out of a whirlwind. It's... That's just so cool to me. And said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Okay. Job was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. That's what God labeled him as. And as Job was asking questions, because he lost everything. He had all the right to ask these questions. And the Lord says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Verse 8, or who shut the sea with the doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and, and said, thus far shall you come and no further. And here shall your way, proud waves be stayed. I control the waves. I tell them when to go up. I tell them when to go down. I tell them when to move. I tell them when to sway. Can you do that? Can you set the limit to the earth? Can, can you do that? Do you know how, how big it is? Do you know how it works? Thirty-four. Can you lift your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings? I love this. Can you send forth lightnings that may go and say to you, here we are. Hey, hey, I'm lightning. When, when do you want me to come down? Oh, not now? Okay. I'll wait. Can you hunt the prey for lion or satisfy the appetite of young lions? When they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket, who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry 
to God for help and wonder about for uh, wonder about for lack of food. God will God. Can you do anything? Can you do that? Can you control all those things? If you read Job thir- 38 through 41, I, and I encourage you to do that because it's just God literally going in on Jacob and just on on Job and just saying, "Can you can you control the mightiest of beasts?" Can you control a mama bear? I don't think so. Not only that, can you control Orion's belt? (laughs) Can you tell a star when to die? Can you see beyond the Milky Way galaxy? Can you see that the moon has water? Actually, no, it has more water. No, it doesn't have water. I saw this dumb scientist post. They said they found water on their moon, and then they reverted back and said, there's actually a little water on the moon. And then they reverted back and said, there's actually a lot of water on the moon. I'm like, how dumb are we? The smartest people keep reverting back their statement. Can you? Can you do anything? God will God. God will be who who he says he is. And the more we understand the greatness of who God is, the better we are the better we are. Church, we do this. We do very similar things to what God does, right? And I'm not a parent, uh, but I, I, I've, I know parents. <laughs> do you guys? <laughs> right? And uh, one of the questions uh, that parents don't always give the full truth to, right, is if, if your daughter and son came to you at four years old and said, Mom, Dad, where did I come from? You ain't telling them the full details. You ain't telling them what happened that night. No. You're just going to say some, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what parents say to a four-year-old. <laughs> right? But you, you're going to give this weird um, answer to get them off your back a little bit. Right? But it's, it's not a lie. You're revealing some truth, the truth that they can handle. And this is the same thing God does for us. God, why do you do what you do? And God said, I will reveal those answers to you when you're ready. Because if I gave you the full truth, you would not be able to handle the truth. If I told you why sin is so dangerous, if I told you the full extent of this story, you would not be able to handle it. So I'm going to tell you this, that I sent my son for you, to die for you, to save you from this heinous crime, this heinous crime of sin. Because it killed you. That's all you need to know. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Let me be who I say I am. You be you. I'll take care of you. I will be God. Almost done, I'm sorry. Uh, Psalm 119 uh, is just a reflection of how God reveals stuff to us little by little. And he says, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. It's a tiny little light. I will reveal to you things little by little. Stop trying to be God. 
You weren't built for that. You can't handle that. You can't handle control of being God. Right? But he is making us more like his son. That's a good thing. And I'm going to end with this quote. Um, it's just a guy who wrote a book. Um, Charles Ryrie. You don't have to look him up, whatever. He says this. Even if we could say we had a complete list of God's perfections, a complete list of God's perfections, like the ones I listed, eternal, merciful, loving, forgiving, we could not fathom their meaning. We could not fathom their meaning. We could scratch the surface of it. For finite men cannot comprehend the infinite God. God's perfection are known to us through revelation. Man does not attribute them to God. Man does not give God mercy or love. We don't give those things to him. That is who he is. God reveals them to men. We know who God is as he reveals himself to us every single day. God will God. You be the human. You be the human that is who makes mistakes but yet is running after Jesus. And because of the gospel, you can run after Jesus. And let God do his work in you. Let God be God in your life. Let's pray. God, in the Psalms, it talks about how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. In a funny verse, you, you, you tell us the stupid man, it's so funny that you use that word, the stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this. God, the more we understand our place when it comes to you and this, this earth and this universe, the better off we are. God, when we come to a place of just, man, God, here I am. I know I'm messed up. Please work in me. Um, that's a good place to be. God, you're a God who desires mercy, not sacrifice. You're a God who desires all to know you, but we know that all will not know you. But that's not for us to know. As Jericho Road Church, you put on the hearts of, of the leaders and us and the churches to reach, equip, and send. God, I pray if, if when we have questions of, God, why should I do this, all that, help us to look back to the gospel, and that is why we want people to know about you. That's why we want people to be equipped with how to share the gospel, and we want to send people who are willing to, to reach people for the gospel. God, that, that's all you want us to do is to love you and share the gospel with people. And all the rest... All the hard truths, God, may we trust and have faith in you. As you said in Romans, that, that it, hope is not something you could see. It's something you know that's there, but you cannot see. That is hope. So, God, we have faith and we hope that you are who you are. And all we got to do as followers is point people to you. May we trust that you are who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.